This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So they're ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The most famous goal of Chris Billy's life. Is this the moment for Lee Fowler? It is. Take your place in Division 2. Huddersfield Oi. 2. Thank you. Rupian Steve Simonson's boots now. He's missed. Steve Simonson clears the frame of the goal and collapses in a heap of tears. Huddersfield Town are promoted. For Schindler has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. And he takes that chance! Hello and welcome to episode 189 of the Andy Takes That Chance podcast, the podcast that is as depleted as the Huddersfield Town first team. With Cozzy away in Spain, Pozza still in hiding after his hiding from Kevin Nagel, Johnny at Crouchfest, and a lack of availability elsewhere, it looked like we were going to have to postpone. And then, from nowhere, the rated R podcaster Simon Copland has returned from what must be, must be a two-year, 18-month, two-year hiatus, Simon. It's been a while, hasn't it? Been a while, Matt. Nice to be back. <laughs> That's all he's got to say about that. Phil and I'm a bit Phil of Senior lost words, Matt, after that, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that didn't quite go to plan, but <laughs> Phil, good to see you back as well. Meal prepping going on in the background. Um, usually people do it for a week and then I imagine, Phil, that probably lasts you about two days, doesn't it, by the way you go through yeah. stuff? Yeah, yeah four, four days worth in, in two days. <laughs> <laughs> right, so the big question this week is what are we going to talk about? Um, <laughs> let's first talk about the sponsor, Magic Rock Brewing. So, uh, this podcast, as always, is sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing. You will get 10% off all online orders if you use our code of AHTTC10 uh, at checkout to www.magicrockbrewing.com. Right then, boys. Huddersfield uh, Town nil, Watford nil. Um, as a famous ginger podcaster once said, you can only piss with the cock that you've been given. Uh, town with 11 players missing, which works out at about 43% of the first team squad missing. 
he ended up playing pretty much the way that we wanted to play last week, Phil. Um, last week against Leeds, you were going to be on the podcast and a couple of things came up and you, you wanted to get a couple of things off your chest, didn't you, really? I got taken to Blackpool, didn't I? It was like a last last minute thing, so it would um, it would probably a good a good um, good idea really because it were I can imagine obviously like you say everyone were a bit um, a bit annoyed with the with the result and the performance at, at Leeds, but um, it's kind of gone now, hasn't it? But yeah, just just looking back at at that first first half, it were it were dreadful, wasn't it? And and I, and I just think like as a as as a player that's that's played there and and obviously understands that derby very well, it was just a shame that that it all unfolded like it did and. and I wouldn't say some players um, didn't put the effort in, but it was definitely well out of the depth uh, within that first half, and unfortunately, it kind of pulled it pulled it back around. So, like I said, we're fuming at the um, at the, the final at the final whistle. Well, pull it half time really. We thought it was definitely going to be eight, um, yeah. so they, they won the way back round a little bit, didn't they? But it was. Um, I mean, we'll probably go on to talk about it now, but it was it was totally wrong tactics and and, and wrong personnel uh, for for the, a massive game like that because. It, what these players and, and staff have got to remember is it, it, it means everything to the fans. This this game, um, as as does games like against Bradford and, and teams like that. and and you just want a performance and you just want you know to, the players to replicate kind of your own attitude in the stands and it didn't it didn't quite materialise that way did it so um, yeah but to be fair on, on reflection all in all it was a great day I, I enjoyed it um, got over to Leeds early had a few beers in in, in their local pub and. And walked down. It was like a scene from Green Street, pretty, pretty weird back alleys kind of thing. And um, and yeah, the 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 chipping to the ground was, was fine. I, I was expecting a little bit, a little bit worse to be honest. But with the early kickoff, it was it was okay. And, and in the ground, it was brilliant. You know, fans were fans were in good spirits. A few, a few random shouts from from some fans <laughs> must have been drinking nearly doors. Um, and obviously, they were a bit more respectful at the game uh, yesterday, which I'm pleased with because it uh, it could have turned a little bit nasty after. After Saturday, so yeah, strange, strange. Yeah, weekend. and and I think what's interesting. So we'll we'll flip back to to Watford. Um, the way he's lined up, I know it's by force, really, because um, he's he's pretty much had no fit because apart from Kyle Hudlin and very few available midfielders as well. So you know he's picked a, a five four one system. You've got Jaheim Headley playing left midfield. You've got Roman Edmonds Green in centre midfield, and these are two defenders playing in in the midfield line. And um, we probably wanted to line up this way last week, didn't we? Never mind this week. But like Pozza used to say, and I won't, I won't quote Pozza's uh, famous line again, but this is, he pretty much couldn't do anything else, could he? And, you know, we yeah. can talk about, you know, he could have done this, he could have done that. He literally couldn't. He, this is the only thing he could do, isn't it? And yeah, but and I mean, that, fair, it was the right thing. That was the problem last week, though, because it was really obvious that. Um, and like I said, we don't want to dwell on it, but it was really obvious how good Leeds are going forwards, and it was really obvious how other teams have, have played against Leeds and kind of nullified um, their kind of strengths. And, and and this is how we should have played. And, and like you say, we had Jaheim Edley was playing. You know, it looks like he was on the wing, but he actually was very narrow. Uh, so was Sauber. We made it really hard for him to to get to break through the middle of us and and allowed him plenty of time out in wide areas. And, and that's what we really should have done against Leeds. And I can't. I know it was for, this has been forced upon him through personnel, etc. But I, I have no idea why we didn't do that against Leeds. And obviously that's on the manager's head. Um, uh, but we've now done this kind of same formation against two really weak teams. Um, his, his argument for doing it against Chef Wednesday can't be the same as why he's done it against Watford at home, surely. Because Chef Wednesday are a really poor team, especially without Barry Bannon. 
and and as we saw yesterday, Watford are really weak, um, and 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 things you know things things obviously it was set up as it was, but um, I would like to see a little bit of a change um, halfway through the game yesterday because it was really clear to see that they they were struggling to break us down. Just before I bring Simon in, Phil, when you know you've you've been in Huddersfield teams that have played in derby matches before, I'm trying to think of. A couple, but the, the, not so much Leeds. I can't remember if you played against Leeds before. There was I remember you playing against York and Barnsley before, haven't you? And when you lose a game against that, how do you sort of react and recover during the week? Because you're obviously very aware that the fans are going to be a little bit annoyed with you, shall we say? But yeah. how how do, how is training that week? Do you, do you, does it start low and get high, or does it do you, do you just all get together and say, right, we need to draw a line under it and move on? Or how do you react as a player? Depends who you've got leading you, doesn't it? And it depends about, you know, regarding the players who are within that squad because it's a major hit if you if you're losing those games and you know it's you know the fans are obviously unhappy and, and, and you should be as well as players and we always were. You know, when I look back to when I played, we were quite fortunate because a lot of those boys actually supported the club. Um, so it meant a hell of a lot more to us than, than what it did to, to well, not more to us, but as much to us as what it did to the fans. So so we felt that pain. Um I think it's the people in and around the club, your people like your brookie kit man, um, people like your staff who are in the canteen, etc. All kind of there to kind of rally around with you and, and make sure that it's business as usual and that you don't dwell on it. And, and that's one of the biggest things I found that, you know, certain people in your, in your squad, your jackos, tafs, etc. will try and win you back round and, and, and kind of get that mentality back, right, that game's gone now. We forget about that game. We can't do anything about it. We've got Watford next and this is how we're going to play. This is how we need to set up. Um, and, and that kind of professional kind of approach to it. There's no point dwelling on performances like that, but you can see if, if it's over and over again, and I think this is why the fans have been a little bit uh, disappointed that, you know, conceding so many goals uh, so easily, and then obviously it tipped it off with the, with, with, with your, your, your biggest arbor that you'll play, it, it, it would affect the players a little bit. Um, but I'm pleased that they bounced back and, 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 and got a point out of the game yesterday, and, and obviously it's... It's a lot better than, than, than rocking up at home and, and conceding number three points. Uh, Simon, we'll bring you in. So, welcome back, Simon. It's uh, it's good to see you, mate, isn't it? And uh, likewise, mate. you've been away. You've been you've been spawning children, haven't you? In the background while the podcast has been going on and stuff. So, you know, you've still got the drink shelf as well. The drink. I think there's more added to the drink shelf. I imagine <laughs> that's because of the way last season, this season's gone. I guess something like that, mate. And uh, yeah, the kids have uh, meant the need for a. Uh, Another drop or two from time to time. <laughs> How did I mean? We're struggling for things to talk about yesterday because literally nothing really happened, did it? You know, we set up defensively. Watford had about, I think they had seventy percent possession, and no one really thought. You know, there was never a chance that the threat of a football match would break out. Was there? It was it, Huddersfield by design made it awkward for Watford, but literally didn't really have much going the other way either. Um, Kyle Hudlin's performance was was an interesting one, wasn't it? Um, he's he's made, you know, this he's, he's he's made little fits and starts here and there. He hasn't played a lot of minutes for us. Um, it'd be quite interesting to see how you saw his performance because I've seen mixed reviews online. I thought there were aspects that he did were quite good, and then other aspects which you can tell he's he's still finding his way. But how how would you sort of um, assess that performance by Kyle Hudlin? It's obviously come um, arguably maybe a little bit too soon for him um, in terms of his kind of first championship start. I don't think any of us at the start of the season saw him playing such an important role so soon. 
But obviously with the injuries to Danny Ward, the absence of Kian injuries to Karoma and uh, Berzog as well, kind of left him with the only as the only option available. It kind of for me kind of a quite difficult rows, obviously quite isolated at times. Um but saw kind of glimpses in there that I kind of mean I think is someone worth persevering with and giving another chance to. But yeah, I guess he's yet to be convinced that kind of he can hold his own at the championship level. He obviously didn't have a particularly successful loan kind of last year. It was at Wimbledon, wasn't it? Um, kind of returned early from that. I think would have liked to have seen him had more minutes kind of at a lower level before he gets um, really stuck into the town team. But we are where we are and, and kind of, I guess, we'll we'll see more of him as kind of the coming weeks progress, really. Phil, what's really interesting about Kyle is you've got a six foot nine brute Jurassic Kyle huddling up there. And I think every football fan thinks, right, bang the ball up to his head and he'll win everything in the air and he'll he'll just absolutely dominate the air. And, and the thing is, you can tell he's quite green because if he gets a nudge in the back, he's kind of a little bit unsure and that kind of discombobulates him a little bit, doesn't it? But mm-hmm. if you play the ball into his feet, he's actually quite tidy, isn't he, when you, when you play it in? It's just kind of when it goes above the knee that uh, things tend to be a bit looser, I guess, isn't it? When you look back at, at the game, at the balls that got played into his feet and, and the link-up play, the, the Headley running off and, and Sauber running off him, and we got a little bit of joy, didn't we? And, and, it, and it's quite difficult because when you've got when you've got players running past another player, you know, trying to pass those players on as a defender is, is really hard. And, and that's when he looked like he was most comfortable, not not really dropping in really deep, but coming in short, receiving it, getting over the ball, one touch, play off. And the players linked up quite nicely with him, to be honest. Um, but it, I found it really funny yesterday when he got taken off and the first quality ball came flying into the box and you've oh, got yeah. little DR in there. And it kind of <laughs> just summed it up because, you know, I think that's one of the things we, we all look at, at huddling and think, right, target man, get that ball up to him. He ain't winning balls in there, unfortunately. You know, Helic was caught up front at one point and, and Lee Nichols pinged a beauty to him, glanced it on, went in round the back of him, etc. He wins the ball really well. But we've got a striker there who, who, who doesn't obviously look as comfortable in that kind of role. And 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 when you when you look at players like this, I think it's a little bit of a niche position. And, and I think managers have got to work really hard in terms of how you want him to play and and how you want to use him. You can see he's not he's not the fittest player, and he's not going to be able to get around the pitch as, as quick and and, and uh, you know as, as mobile as others. But you can see there's some clear strengths in, in his game. He wouldn't be playing otherwise. Um, and like I say, I've I've said this in the pod before. He's his touch looks really good on the floor and he, and he strikes the ball really clean. You know, I've, I've looked at a little bit of footage of him and, and he really hits a, he hits a good ball. So, they, like like Sai said there, there's something there. Um, I think it's just working out how to use him and, and what what I struggle with is sometimes when he comes on as a sub, it's kind of like, I don't know, hit and hope and it, and it looks like it really doesn't suit him. Um, so, I think that's something the manager needs to look at if, if you know, going forward, we're going to be short of players and he wants to use him. I think for me, he's um, he's going to often be used as a plan B, isn't he, off a bench with 10, mm. 15 minutes to go when you're chasing the game. But to Phil's point, inevitably, when you're chasing the game, you tend to So you need to, yeah. to, to start, really. Um, and his record at B-team level is quite good. You question that yeah. as ever is kind of how big is that gap between B-team level football and, and kind of championship level football. And he's, he's not done that much in between that would suggest... Um, He's going to kind of hit the ground running, really. But I think, in the absence of anything else, would quite like to persevere with him for a bit longer, for sure. Yeah, definitely. 
Mm, there's something there, isn't there? I think when you watch him, there's something, there's something there. Like you say, not quite sure what yet, but there's definitely yeah. something there. There's a, there's a decent touch in amongst them. Just looking at the touches, and like um, there's one, two, three, four, five, six players who took a, a touch which lost the ball. Kyle Hudlin wasn't one of them. Jaheim Headley mm. took four touches which ran loose. Uh, three for Ben yeah. Wiles, and then Pearson, Thomas, Nakayama, and Diara one each. Um, and so it's quite neat and tidy, I guess, is is where I'm going with that. You know, and he's almost like a paradox, isn't he? He plays like he's a five foot eight striker, but you know, yeah. he's a six foot nine monster. It's it's really funny. It's almost parallel to Peter Crouch when Peter Crouch was quite decent, you know, early on. He was really good with his feet. And then if you back a daddy long legs and a wind tunnel, wouldn't he? His arms and legs everywhere and all sorts and but you know, he's he's definitely an interesting character and worth persevering with. My little boy loves him. My little boy's into into wrestling, and they're all big big units. Yeah. So when Kyle Hudlin comes on, his jaw hits you know his jaw hits the drum, and he just watches <laughs> Kyle Hudlin walking around. Don't watch the game; just watches Kyle Hudlin. <laughs> it's like he's about to he thinks he's about to whip out some kind of DDT or something. But um, I thought I it was nice that the, the fans the fans gave him a nice applause when he came. I mean, I don't think by any any means it was his best game. Um, but I think the fans could appreciate, you know, they could see that he's he's done his best in in, in what he had there, you know, up front. And I, and I like the fact that they were, he had, you know, a, a decent ovation when he came off because you know he's, he's a young kid too. You, you forget, and and, and yeah. he needs all that support he can get. Yeah, I think town fans will always appreciate someone who, who works hard, and I think yeah. that's yeah. it's minimum requirement for a lot of clubs. But Huddersfield fans yeah. will always will always yeah, appreciate definitely. those that you know wear the shirt with a little bit of pride. Um, Ben Jackson's another one as well. I've seen comments about Ben Jackson. I thought this was probably one of his best games in a town shirt. He's, he's often, you know, he's playing slightly out of position there. He's, he's, I wouldn't say Ben Jackson's completely two-footed, but he's fairly decent with his right. And, you know, his he's, wing-back role is definitely made for him. And he, he, he was the one who looked the most threatening at certain points, cutting in onto his left foot. He had one shot, went through to... Uh, Batman in goal. I can't believe Watford fans don't do the Batman tune for him. But so the, the one where they cut through another one, which could have taken a deflection and, and found the net. And I think we 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 saw a, a a decent, probably one of the better performances I've seen out of Ben Jackson really. And um, and Ben Wiles was similar. I thought Ben Wiles stepped up um, with without Jonathan Hogg in midfield and Jack Ridoni. And I thought he he actually had a good game, Ben Wiles. And you know he almost uh, helped create a goal, didn't he, um, in the first half as well. So. There's, there's, there's a few. I know we're struggling to, struggling massively to bring anything out of this to talk about <laughs> because literally nothing happened. But there, there were a couple of performances where you look and you think, okay, Ben Wiles has played better than he has previously, which is a bonus, and Ben Jackson's played better than he has previous as well. So there are a couple of points there, which I'm sure you can spend about 20 seconds dwelling on, Phil. <laughs> Simon, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to see Ben Jackson given a run of games. Really, I feel like. Um, he's probably been a victim of his own versatility. We kind of under Corbran, he played in centre midfield, didn't he? He's played quite a bit of left back throughout his career, left wing, now right wing. Um, he's even played right back, I think, at various points as well. So, obviously, having that versatility in the squad has been really useful, but at the same time, it's meant he's never really been able to hold down a particular position. Um, and I think he would, like a lot of these kids, benefit from a, a sort of run of games, a succession of games, to see what he could do. But he's certainly kind of. Um, had some better touches on the ball than probably what I've seen in the past. And he certainly was able to um, probably make the right decision more often than not. So, yeah, kind of pleased with him. Yeah, I like him. I, I mean, I, I think he's, like you say, I think that versatility is really important. I think yeah, early doors in the game, you give the ball away a little bit too easily. I think the, I think the whole team did, to be honest. I think when you're playing a, 
a formation like we were doing, I think it's really key that once that, once you retain the ball, you've got to keep hold of it for a little bit longer than what we did do. And I think um, that I think the quality showed um, to be a bit wasteful, and and that was disappointing. But I think that you know the times he got down the down the right wing and 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 was was you know was positive. It, it made a difference to the team and. And I just think, like you say, like at this point of the season, you can see that confidence quite be a little bit low because there were times where he did cut in and, and I would like to see him be a bit more positive, driving a little bit closer and, and, and have a better shot than what he did. But, you know, it's this is what we're going to rely on now, aren't we? And, and I think someone like him in that position, I, I felt really comfortable watching him. Um, you know, Matty Pearson behind him is going to help him as well. So, but you know, we, we look at the performances of our players, but, you know, let's let's not forget how poor they were. Um, they didn't want to. They, they didn't. They never really looked to want to get in behind us until probably the last twenty minutes of the game. Um, so I think it was a bit of a slow burner, and I think it, it was easy to put in a couple of decent performances because we were so deep and we stuck to a kind of plan. And um, yeah, it weren't it weren't great to be honest. And, and you know, we're, we're probably trying to look for positives here, but you know, <laughs> in, in, in possession, it wasn't it wasn't great. Um, but I think first and foremost, and I think we all agree. It was really important that we didn't suffer like we did the week before, and I think it was it was a good result for us in the end. But uh, say it the nail head. If it, I don't know if you said it on here, but off 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 camera. But if we have to watch that week in week out, it's it's going to turn a lot of people off, and, and I'm sure we won't do. I'm sure it's just a means to an end kind of thing. But um, but yeah, there's um, yeah there's, there's there's a couple of positives, but but a few negatives. I think that one, one think thing that, that surprised me actually was just how poor Watford were. I think I probably had high expectations for Watford, um, yeah. albeit the away side. And um, I appreciate they've been kind of in the championship for a couple of seasons now, haven't they? But they didn't really look to change the game in any particular way. They didn't really no. seem to to offer anything um, as the game progressed. And, and almost like they were quite content with a point up against a very defensive Huddersfield. And Huddersfield played as I expected them to play, particularly when I saw the, the kind of formation. But Watford, I thought, oof, that was a. Yeah, they didn't often bring much to the party whatsoever. I felt like, I don't know what you lot feel like, but I felt like uh, Romani Edmonds Green really struggled. I thought he looked like he was he yeah, short, short of a couple of yards. Yeah. Uh, honestly, it was so easy just to just to glide past him and, and, and that was a real issue. And, and I felt for some of these young kids because there's, you know, there's a couple of young lads there that I think you know probably deserve a chance in there. I know it's we can we can go back to it, can't we, and say, oh yeah, they're only young in, in this position, etc. But... I have a bit of faith with some of these kids, you know, especially when you're playing formations like we're playing there, where there's a where there's a hell of a lot of kind of you know um, supporting behind you, etc. I thought it was a, a bit of a missed trick, really, there to to put one of those boys on because there's uh, there's there's a couple of good players in there um, that they'll probably need a chance. The one that you're thinking about there, Phil, isn't it? He's he's sort of been in and around for a while. Tommy Opender. Um, yeah, yeah, another one as well. So yeah, I mean, Osterfield spoken. You know, they they speak really highly of him in, inside the club. Um, so it's there's a few there. I mean, I've got something. I've got. I have got a point to talk about, which is about the injuries and and training, and the injuries themselves are um, happening again. It happened last year. Well, I've got another point on that. But do you think this is a case of? Training, uh, changing training during mid-season. I remember Danny Cowley talking about periodization and all sorts at one point, um, like a PE teacher, wasn't he? And then, so that's not uh, that's, that's like strength and conditioning period. Like, oh god, there's too much but, jargon in there. I know, but he, um, do you think some of this is we've gone from a, a Neil Warnock training system, and Neil Warnock's training is 
is renowned to being quite lax, if you like, not mm. not exactly high intensity. And all of a sudden, you bring in a modern manager like Darren Moore, and the majority of modern managers they they try and get the players as fit as possible, don't they? And I guess the training level has gone up. And this is just me surmising, really. Yeah. The training level's gone up, and then all of a sudden, Kyle Hudlin. You, you look at the B team and the B team isn't the most competitive and there aren't games every week and Kyle Hudlin and Romani Edmonds-Green have been milling around, you know, between the two and they've both gone off with cramp. I mean, Romani Edmonds-Green went down after about 58, 59 minutes with cramp and, you know, Romani Edmonds-Green's not the, never been the fittest player, has he? You know, I remember him being sent out on loan with Carlos here because he, you know, for fitness and Kyle Hudlin's gone, you know, holding his hamstring area with cramp and, you know, it's not their fault. It's just, you know, it just feels there's been kind of a, a change, a mid-season, uh, you know, a mid, a midpoint training, and and that can lead to injuries, can't it, Phil? When um, you know someone comes in and all of a sudden you're working at a completely different rate to what you were before. Yeah, can it? it they've, they've, you'd hope that they'd come in and they'd have a bit of a knowledge of, of where where players are at. For for me, we're, we're in the middle of the season now, so in terms of like like fitness. Um, I can't really see them doing much fitness work. The game's changed, so there's going to be a lot of work, obviously within within training and, and phase of players and strategy work, etc. I can't see it being like we used to do when Lou used to send you on a lose loop and you used to have to run around stores all in, in a certain amount of time and Danny Schofield hide behind a wall, wait till we all got round the other side and then cut across and, and, and rejoin. Do you know what I mean? And Danny Schofield <laughs> never got injured. Uh, we did more running than him, but he went at him and Nat Brown. They, they maybe that's it. Maybe he didn't. Maybe that's it, Phil. Like under Neil Warnock, we didn't get injuries. Maybe they, didn't, they weren't running. Maybe they were this just kind of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, but I, I can imagine there, there may be there may be something he's, he's trying to do extra in the gym. I know a lot of people respond differently to to gym work, strength and conditioning. Um, a lot of players just just perform better. I mean, Worthy. I don't think if Worthy bloody touched a, a, a weight, he'd bloody he'd fall down and fall asleep or something. Um, whereas other other lads needed it, do you know what I mean? So they they are all each they are all individual, but I think nowadays, and if you're talking about Dan Amar and his methods and and, and new methods, except if if that's what he likes to do, they the wired up with GPS, they can they can see the blood lactate levels, all that kind of stuff. If if that's where town are at, um, and and there shouldn't really be any there shouldn't really be any concerns about changing managers. I don't know. I'm not I'm not sure it. Unless he's literally just come in and said, "Right, we're, we're doing extra extra training uh, more than what Neil Warnock would do." I don't know. It's, 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 it's difficult. Isn't it? we're, we're guessing. Sometimes, we're guessing. yeah. And, well, I, I thought you were going to kind of come round to the fact that sometimes when going gets tough, a lot of people when they've got a little bit of a niggle, um, they, they tend to find the easy way out and 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 yeah. kind of call in a call in a little injury. So that's what I thought you were kind of coming coming round to because well, I don't know, but case. Neil Warnock used to hint that. You know, he would play players with a little niggle anyway, wouldn't he? Just to, he used to just pl- pick them anyway. Danny Ward, a, a case in yeah. point where Danny Ward was, you know, came back and played and he's out again. But they were just like, I'm just thinking last year because the shades of Mike Fotheringham a little bit. When Mike Fotheringham came in last year, they were, you know, he, uh, listen, he, he wanted to play two up front, didn't he? <laughs> um, there's just there's just some uncomfortable comparisons like 12 months on it's like he wanted yeah. he came in wanted to play two up front wanted to play attacking football he was all about it so he said and then we got walloped a couple of times and then he realised that this squad's made for deep defending and we, we played some really mind-numbing stuff for months yeah. on end under, under Mark Fotheringham 
And Darren Moore even said on the on Radio Leeds after the game not to get too high and too low when we lose. And it was when he said when Oggy said that, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is like bothering Mark too." Here deja for, for a second, I was just like, "Oh, the deja vu, yeah." And I was just like, "Oh, come on, Darren, I don't want to." I've already, I've already, I can't listen to Darren Moore too long anyway because he's he's one of those where he just he's not a media guy, is he? He just kind no. of talks in cliches and just. Yeah, fills time, doesn't he? You don't. You can tell he don't really yeah. want to do it. He's a lovely. Yeah, it says a lot. Without just, saying very much. Yeah, he doesn't. That's... He doesn't. He says a lot. We say it by, by saying nothing, doesn't he? And he keeps saying part and partial instead of part and parcel in his in his interviews <laughs> as well, and that drives me mad. But um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's just that really. Yeah, it's just it's just those shades there, and you and when you're not very good, you start looking for like little patterns and stuff, and that pattern came up, and I was like, oh God, hopefully that's not gonna. Uh, reappear again but I think what we'll do we're talking absolute shite here so we'll, we'll move on and, and we'll bring in someone we'll bring in a man who knows how to speak about the game we're going to bring in Mike from the Rookery and so Mike Parkin is a Watford fan and he's going to uh, look at the game from a Watford perspective Hello this is Mike from the Watford podcast from the Rookery end and well we've seen history we've been a part of history for the first time ever Watford and Huddersfield have played out a nil-nil draw. The first time two teams have had a goalless match. And um, I think both teams were lucky to get zero, quite frankly. Watford, on the plus side, that's five games in a row unbeaten. Um, we've stopped conceding goals at the alarming rate that we were before. But in terms of positives, that's about it. Um, Watford sort of seemed to be intent on making themselves the most mediocre side in championship history um, and they're doing that pretty well under Valerian Ismail had all of the possession uh, against a, a depleted Huddersfield I think I'm right in saying that they only couldn't even fill the bench two of the substitutes were goalkeepers so that tells us everything we need to know about with all due respect the opposition and the state that the Terriers were in uh, and the fact that Watford weren't really able to conjure up any chances of note, despite having, I think, 70% possession, probably tells you everything you need to know about the Hornets at the moment. More worried about being solid at the back than scoring up front. And even if we were focused on scoring, I don't think we could. Um, we've got Ryevich and Vacuum Bio up front. Um, and I reckon we could take the first two people that download this podcast, stick them up front, and they'd be just about as good as... As good as them. So, yeah, the most nil-nil of nil-nil draws, I guess, more helpful for Watford than it is for Huddersfield, a point away from home, is always, I guess, not to be sniffed at. But there is uh, there's definite um, consternation amongst the Hornets faithful about the way Watford played yesterday. Lots of sidewards uh, passing, all the possession, but no cutting edge whatsoever. Um, and it's not one that I think many people will have stayed up to watch the highlights of. Huddersfield nil, Watford nil. I don't know if there's anything else to say, is there? I just hope uh, the next team that comes to the John Smiths is slightly more exciting than we were. All the best, lads. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. 
Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. There we go. That's all we need to say, really, on, on the on the podcast. <laughs> did, 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 anyone, did anyone see the um, the highlights on, um, on the Sky Sports app? No, I've I've seen the YouTube ones. It, it, we had something. Uh, Charlie was watching something on on YouTube earlier, and then it rolled to Huddersfield Town's highlights afterwards. And then, a, I can't believe they managed to get ten minutes out of them. That it just absolutely stunned me. Ten minutes. One of the managed. best. One one of the best highlights were Kyle Hudlin closing down, <laughs> ball hitting his leg and going out for a dead ball. <laughs> I thought that was unbelievable. Biggest talking point of the game. Do you know what? There was one point during the game, and a uh, one right at the end of the game. I think it was when Diara came on and we worked the ball to the left-hand side and we put a really decent ball yes. into the box. I couldn't tell if it was Nakayama or I think it was Nakayama perhaps who put it in. And the, and the defender, the Watford defender, just lunged back in the end and put it out for the corner, which we didn't get to take. But it was just a whisker away just from going to Diara at the far post and that would have been an absolute grand larceny, highway robbery kind of result because like Mike says, nobody deserved to... No, no one deserved a point from the game because it was just one of those really bad ones but I think it might be one of those that we might be grateful for because there's 10 games left now until January and Huddersfield just need to keep picking up these points because the, yeah. the squad's decimated uh, you know the, it's going to be a really tough time between now and January I think and and the noises that I'm hearing are the club are going to try and do all they can to go out and sign decent players in January or, or try and sign some decent players Slight worry is the two players that Mark Cartwright signed so far are Tom Edwards and Delano Bergzog. But, you know, we're hopeful that come January there'll be a couple because they really need to pull a couple out of the hat, don't they, to make sure that this, this season doesn't go down the toilet like last season did until Neil Warnock came in. Because last year we brought in, what, Florian Camberry, Martin Waggon to solve the striking problems and they only really <laughs> added to it, didn't they? It was just, no, you know... This Bergzog, I, I, I'm normally kind of against players like this. You're a little bit greedy sometimes. You don't know what you're going to get. I, I don't mind him, and I don't know if it's that's because what we've got up front at the moment, and there's not much else. But he's quite exciting for me. I think he runs the channels well. I think he, he, he works hard. As a grafter, I don't think he shirks any, you know, hard work. No. I just think he lacks a little bit of quality, doesn't he? at times but but I think he's brave enough to, to hit those longer distance shots and, and be a little bit more aggressive um, I don't mind him too much I'm hoping there's going to be a little bit more from him He's one of the only players who gets you on the edge of a seat right now Yeah, right? yeah, um, yeah. It was quite a defensive mining squad. I, I yeah. would like to see us looking to the loan market a bit in January I think obviously that's somewhere we've had success previously Premier League yeah. loans um, going back to the promotion era going back to Corbran Um my hunch is that kind of Premier Leagues would probably be reluctant to learn as players under Warnock for the style of football that we play. We'll be more willing to do so now, more in charge, possibly. But um, hopefully that would allow us to get people in the door probably a bit quicker than what we would do otherwise. So um, we'll watch this space. I've said this before, like that, that what, what the club's done in terms of the training ground and facilities, etc. that should be quite an incentive to, not an incentive, but a, 
a, a bigger positive to, to loan your players out, knowing that they're going to be in a, a decent environment, a decent training environment. And that's one of the biggest things I thought linked to, to the facilities that we've got. So um, I think we've got a better chance of getting better players, hopefully. But I was a bit disappointed that we didn't really dip into that market because we were short on players anyway. Um, but they didn't see again, any desire to do so, did they, Phil? They didn't see many, there was never any no. rumours, didn't see many no. kind of appetite Nothing. to do that. And I don't no. know if that's a change of approach, change of strategy, but um, I, I think given where we are. Yeah. I think is it a what? Would it a war not thing? Would it? Would it a war not thing? You know, we, we've spoke about this before. Like, not everybody likes to play for Neil Warnock teams. Um, yeah. So, so is there a lot of managers out there that don't want to do him a favour? Um, and is there a lot of players out there that don't really want to play for for someone like Neil Warnock? I mean, I think I would do. It'd be the kind of manager that that I would uh, like to play for. But um, I think there's probably a lot out there that wouldn't. So. What do you think we need, Phil? Um, come January to to sort of avoid. You know, getting sucked into something we don't want in the second. How many players? Because I think we need a right back. You know, you look at the set, the centre backs are all right, but no one's yeah. really got any pace. But that that can wait, can't he? That sort of position. I think it's left good backs, enough. Yeah, yeah. Left backs. We've got three. Enough. Haven't we? Really, in Nakayama, yeah. Jackson, and uh, Headley. Yeah. None are. None of them are sort of amazing, but they're all all right, serviceable, aren't they? Midfield. You, you're looking at Hog, and Hoggy's going to have. Spells out injured. We don't really have a six, do we? In the squad, no. you know, you're looking We're back short. to Regin Osterfield. We're short there. We don't yeah. have anyone who can pass the ball in midfield. You've got Redoni yeah. and Wiles who are decent box to box, but yeah. no one can control a game. And yeah. then you're looking out wide, and uh, I'm just I'm trying to do a, a uh, an article on Towns' attacking options at the minute, which is taking me forever because I don't really get the time to do it. And we we haven't created a goal from le the left wing this season. It's just you know, so we we've not created from a left winger this season yeah. and so you're looking there and then you're looking up front do we need one striker do we need two do we need to bring Rhodes back Danny what? what's going on there's there's a lot that needs to be done isn't I there I think we've and got to be yeah we've got to be realistic can't we and, and ideally for me a striker a winger a centre midfielder uh, is the key for me um, so whether you bring bringing players there or like we've mentioned there like bring some loans in or something to cover the, those areas um, but yeah I think we're, we're, we're pretty short aren't we I've been pretty impressed with, with Sauber's attitude um, to his to his work rate exception things it's nice it's been nice to see him clapping the fans I didn't think he was too bothered about the fans I thought we were more about his own teammates and stuff so it's been nice that he's been clapping his fans and, and appreciating um, the kind of uh, praise he's been getting because he's, I think he's been brilliant I really do I think he's, he's worked really hard and, and irrelevant to final balls etc I think um, his work rate has been immense but yeah we are short <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to see us getting probably three in at the top end of the pitch. I'll take your point yeah. about right back, Matt. I think hopefully Turton comes back there and, and can kind yeah. of play some of the second half of the season. If he does, then then that would be like a new addition, really. I can't see us strengthening that area. So we've got Edwards on the books um, for a kind of. Uh, it'd be bad for years. me with Edwards. It would be oh, bad, I agree, be but, but, but in terms of priorities, I don't see that happening. I think, um, yeah, three kind of one out and out striker, two who can play off either side would probably be where I would be uh, focusing my time and energies. I felt a little bit sorry for Edwards at Leeds. I know people are probably slating him, etc. But what's he supposed to do? He's hardly played, and he's coming coming up against those those three. Well, four really up front. What are you going to do? And and, and the formation we played, it it, it was added to nothing. Poor lad. You know, the counter attacks, and and he's not going to. He can't respond to that, can he? Uh, but he's not the answer. He's a really ain't the answer. I don't know why why we signed him. Um, but I no. think he's had, he's had a bit of unfair criticism. Really, you know, it's. 
But, yeah, what, it's unfair, but uh, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, he's been th- thrown to the wolves a little bit. I take that point. Listen, but but the, the, the he's not. Is, he's well, just not very good, is he? No, he's not. Anyway. No, he's not. But but he's, he's not going on there to, to play poorly, is he? Um, and and we've seen it's it. News, we've, we've seen that news recently where you know Rashford's been coming to stick because he's played a game lost and then gone out on a night out, etc. These players are allowed to live a life. Um, now, albeit I wouldn't be going out after losing four-one to Leeds away from home. Um, but not everybody's the same, are they? And, and I think sometimes you've... Um... Everyone's, yeah, I'm going to say, everyone's different. Sometimes you need to go out and yeah, let your you hair do, yeah. down and, and yeah. feel better about yourself, don't you? Yeah. I've got no issues yeah. with him going out and what have you, as long as it's after the game and not the night before, because, you know, it, it, I couldn't tell which one it was. <laughs> well, well hey, listen, listen, Kenny Irons used to go out the night before, didn't he? Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and drink a fair, fair bit of beer, and he always rocked up and, and performed. Um, Mate, I, so. uh, I, know, I know it's completely different levels, but when I used to play... My my mate used to play. Uh, uh, I can't remember what division it was, but it was quite a decent amateur level. And the striker used to go out and have uh, two pints just before kickoff. And they used to go into the clubhouse two pints just before kickoff. And he was top scorer in the league. Amazing. I was used to wonder if that like helped him confidence wise or whether whether he'd have played like three leagues higher if he if he didn't drink so much. <laughs> <laughs> made better runs. Had no idea what he were doing. Yeah. yeah, honestly, honestly, he got some like fifty seven goals one season, and he must have. Something across the court, this across across the so season, talking, unbelievable. You're obviously you're talking about like bringing in players and, and what we need, but I think as well, like it's the formation. So what what what's going to suit what where we're at at the moment and the players that we've got? Do you know what I mean? Mm. So because I think I felt pretty comfortable with having three at the back and saw we're playing right wing back. Um, that, yeah, yeah. For me, we've looked, we've looked we've looked quite solid when it's been like that at, at home, especially because he's obviously bombed on a little bit more, and, and I think. You know, in, in as long as you might, might behind, it might might appear yeah. as the perfect right-sided centre back for that, isn't he? Really, because yeah. he's because he's played right back and he can he understands the space that Saul believes, doesn't he? So yeah, as long as you've got Matty Pearson there, that's that's not a problem for me. And but I think Saul's obviously he's more effective higher up the pitch, isn't he, Saul? So you know, if we're talking about using the players that we've got, and you've got Sauber and Karoma mm-hmm. there, who are both you know pretty attacking players who who have done well in the past. You know, is it is it a change of formation that we need, or is it personnel for the formation that he wants to play? You know, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, you could play a back four. You could play a back four. We might Pearson at right back. I know he's not going to gallivant forward, but he, he was good end of last season, wasn't he? Right. Yeah. If you're playing a back three, who do you play at your left sided centre back? Because Tom Lee's is I like Tom Lee's, but he's not natural left side. But Josh Ruffles looked yeah. all right, didn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. As a left sided centre back in a three, so there's. There's a lot of options at the back. It's it's further up up the field yeah, yet. And, I agree. Yeah, you know that you, you sort of struggle. So, but Darren Moore, Darren Moore played a back three at Sheffield Wednesday, didn't he? For the time he was there, he, he quite liked the three four one two, and he started that here. Whether that's going to be his system, I don't know. Um, Town, I think, probably suit a back four. The defenders probably suit a back four a bit. Mm. Back, I think. Um, but I don't know. It depends I think who we're going to bring in. We suit five at back, don't we? I think you know where we're I, at. We suit about ten at the ten at the back. <laughs> <I> think, <laughs> but, but yeah, um, let's let's move on. I've only got a couple of other points really because we're really struggling to fill this. I could honestly, we could have wrapped this podcast up in ten minutes. But um, Clappers made a reappearance, didn't they, for the first time since um, the Premier League era, or just after? Really, I think we had a, some of the year after. Do you like or dislike clappers? I've seen I've seen people talking about this online, and I'm going to go to Simon first. What what do you reckon to to clappers? Are you are you for them, against them, or do you just not care? 
You probably have a lot of that. I'm a bit ambivalent about it, really. Um, yeah, similar. I, it wouldn't be for me, but it doesn't offend me. And if uh, people like them, crack on. That's a big word. I think that's exactly like that. <laughs> ambivalent. <laughs> yeah, we talk about clappers and ambivalent as well. Come on. <laughs> What's your view then, Phil? I'm the same, Phil. Me, I'm, I'm just like, well, kids love them, family stands love them. You know, anyone who likes it, crack on. Um, clap on, well, was, even. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying earlier, like it, uh, there were there were two negatives to these clappers at the weekend, and, I, and I'm I'm probably saying aside, like I'm I'm not too too bothered whether they have them or not. Um, but the the at the start when we had to hold them up and for the poppy, that that was an absolute shambles. Like couldn't get that wrong, <laughs> could we? Yeah, we did. Um, like gaps in in, in in crowd and all sorts. Like didn't even bother holding it up, so that was a shambles, which was something should have been something nice. Um, and then just kids around me and my mates, kid with one of them. Just slapping it on the chairs because there was so many seats. Oh. oh god, it was so annoying. So I ended up moving. Um, but I, I think it brings a little bit of atmosphere to the ground. But you just get slated by everybody, don't you? You know, these these fans online are all happy clappers and Leicester had it the other day yeah, and all yeah. that. Um, I think it's each to their own. And and if if fans, I mean, they use them, don't they? You know, you can't say they yeah. don't. You know, everyone would just sat there. And whether it's something because you're a bit bored and you just kind of like just tapping away, but. It makes a little bit of atmosphere, so um, I'm more concerned yeah. about why we had 24 people sat behind the goal in, in, in pissing down range, <laughs> you know what I mean? That, they they, were, they weren't that... using their clappers, and if they were, they were like holding them above their head. <laughs> <laughs> it was a strange one, that, wasn't it? Because we can't fill... I mean, the FML only gets wheeled out, really, when the other stands are, are looking slightly full and yeah. we've struggled for this year, this season we've struggled for crowds. Our crowds since we're going relegated from the Premier League seem to sort of dip on 22 when we finished third, but we, we just, I, I don't know. There's a lot of space where that you have to fill in the main areas first. And then I, to be honest though, one, one thing I hate is when there's a you know the goals go in at that end and there's no one behind it looks really shit don't it it looks really really bad so i'm all for people being in there but it's a really crap place to be we had season cards in there when me and pod started the uh when, well pod started the cowshed loyal and i was i was helping him with it in like 2008 so we decided to go in there because we thought that could be like the home end because we couldn't have the south stand and it was shit, really. And it was it was hard to it was hard to make noise in there. It, when it would rain, it rained into your face. And and the the stand, you sit down and you feel like if there's if it's gonna be full, you feel like it's gonna like collapse or something. It's, Blast, it's, yeah, it's yeah. all sort of it's all temporary. And yeah. the, the one thing when Kevin Nagel was on about buying oh, it was mentioned, you know, with, with the um the swimming pool and stuff going um, uh, you know, Kala closing the pool, aren't they, etc. And I did. It did cross my mind whether to think. Do you know what? Maybe they might sack off the leisure centre and just create a proper end, and you can actually go in through that side, and then the kiosks can be in there, and you can actually make it slightly better and take out the temporary stuff. Things like that cost money, don't they? Which you know the club aren't going to spend anytime soon. But it's a nice, a nice idea to have, isn't it? And then you can kind of use that end properly rather than it feel like you know some like a building site which is which is what it feels like it, it was it was strange wasn't it to sort of put them in that weekend i don't even know what the point of it was no. for I, I didn't really look into it too much but it is you know it's nice to have that stand full but i didn't really get but for me they should really use that stand for um school kids you know give free yeah. free school kids tickets and stuff like I that and, you know you know the yeah. old boys enclosure kind of thing you know just get get as many school kids because at the end of the day at the minute 
you've got Man City ripping it up. You've got Man United are always attractive. Liverpool and and Leeds are good again, unfortunately. And you know, in in Huddersfield and Sheffield Wednesday to the south, although they're not that good, but Sheffield United and you've got a lot of competition for fans, haven't you? In in your own area, just just try and you know get these young lads indoctrinated before they go before the workout that Huddersfield aren't that great and there are better teams to support elsewhere you know get them, get them in and get them hooked before uh, before they get chance you know what I mean that's what happened to me when I was a kid well that's so, it, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think just, I completely just, agree Matt but but probably not kind of on the wettest coldest day of the year probably uh, yeah. maybe the end of August or uh, start of September might have been a better idea perhaps yeah strange one but that's it really isn't it clappers meh F- F- FML, oh, it's called the red, the big red end, isn't it? Yeah. Now, it is the, big um, red end. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, and and that's it. I don't think there's really much to talk about, is there? It's just we've really struggled to fill this podcast with any meaningful content. So I do apologise for that. It's a really crap one this week, um, as was my tweet about defending like beavers, but it seemed to get some sort of traction. But, you know, if anybody saw that, it's an old Chris Kamara quote that he used on uh, Soccer Saturday when he, I think Spurs were playing Arsenal and uh, Arsenal were absolutely battering them. And he said, no, and he, he described Spurs as fighting like beavers and defending like for their lives, um, which, which which felt very apt for what Huddersfield did because we, we were under the cosh. Um, but uh, to fa- finalise as well, HTFC women had a game today and unfortunately they've lost 3-1 to Liverpool Feds. We're continuing to sponsor and the HTFC women's uh, captain, um, Beth Stanfield. So um, all the best to them, and hopefully they can bounce back next week as well and maybe get down to uh, a game at some point this season as well. Um, guys, that's that's it, really. 48 minutes. This is going to be the shortest podcast for ages. Um, shall I play your video again, Simon? Because I feel like we're just killing time. <laughs> <Get it on. laughs> and just looking at Cozzy's face on that just makes it kills me. <laughs> yeah that was that's because he's great for videos he's got a very expressive face um that's it any other business chaps before we, we wrap it up no unfortunately not but again the queues were great underneath the ground half time before the game fantastic easy to get a pie and a drink where do you sit phil out of interest um oh God, just the stand not the car, just the stand, stand not yeah. the, not car the car stand, stand. Oh. yeah yeah just um to the left at dugouts Okay, so you're, you're lower tier, aren't you? Yeah, That's right, I've, I've I've had this idea for the kill in the bank for absolutely ages, and if you're going to say kill in the bank, I would have I would have floated it past you just to see how that works. Simon, are you in the kill in the bank? Uh, oh, you're yeah. in the south stand. You're in the kill in the bank. Kill the bank now. Yeah, so there's a huge wall at the back of the kill in the bank, isn't there? An absolutely massive wall. And uh, a couple of years ago, I suggested that we should. Have Have you ever seen the Man City Stadium? How they've got like a timeline going around the stadium, and it's yeah, it's yeah. all uh, graphically painted. I've said for years that we should have on the back of the kiln the bank, we should have a, a history, like a chartered history on the back of the kiln, because there's nothing on it. Uh, and you could get a local artist, you could get Peter O'Toole, or you could get uh, Ian Berry or someone, just to to have like your, your last hundred and odd years of history, start on the left-hand side and just have it going on, you know, pictures of what happened when they won the league and moving on and different heroes. And what you could do is you could paint a different hero every year. You could induct, you know, induct them into like a, a hall of fame. Uh, and you know, put them on the wall, etc. I think there's so much they can do at the stadium at the minute. We, we talked about the FML, you know, the, the fantastic media. If there's money to do it, this is um, how that can be better. And I just think that's that would be something quite good to have at the back of the Kilner Bank and something good to show off. And because I, I, I do like the, the effort they made with the uh, at Canal side at yeah, the really high performance complex. Yeah, looks great. Stuff like that looks really great. Good. And it just 
And when you, when you turn up to a stadium and you've got things like that, it just, I don't know, it just adds something to it for me. Whereas if you walk in and it's just, yeah, if you just walk in and there's grey walls with sachets of sugar thrown on the, thrown on the, uh, you know. If you're lucky. Yeah, it's just like, it's just just things, little things to make the, make it better. If you like the idea, let us know. But um, I might float that to Mr. Nagel, see what he thinks. Um, But that's it, guys, for this week. Thank you very much, Phil, for joining us. Simon, we're going to have to get you on when there's more exciting things to talk about because we've really struggled, haven't we, to, uh, to get through this. But guys, it's been a pleasure. Let's roll the end credits. There's a team that is dear to its followers The colours are bright, blue and white They're a team of renown They're the pride of the town And the game of football is their delight And all while upon the field of play Thousands loudly cheer them on the way Often you can hear them say Who can beat the town today And then the bells will ring so merrily Every goal shall be a memory So town play up And bring that cup Back to Huddersfield So town play up And bring the cup Back to Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery afterwards. Three points, McNugget share box, spot on. Automate delivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.